It's really joyful to see people come together. They bring the food. It's sharing food. It's many conversations, just different people coming together. I invited one of my students who changed his diet to whole food plant-based because I talked to him about it. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta, and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Maya Acosta. And so we continue with this series of PAC interviews. That's the Pod Advisory Committee. That's part of the Plan Pure Communities Organization. And today we're going to meet Carolina Mueller. She's the pod leader of Bayou City Beat, one of several pods in the wider Houston area coming together as Plan Pure Houston. The partner pods strongly believe in supporting each other. Members participate in potlucks, restaurant outings, and online meetings with special guests. Pod leaders connect with area organizations to increase awareness of the power of food for health and sustainability. Carolina's quest for health started in childhood, seeking freedom from obesity and depression. In 1981, her family added whole grains and lots of raw vegetables to their standard repertoire. After coming to the United States from Germany to study for her PhD in chemistry, she learned more and more about diets. First, she explored vegetarian, then vegan, and in 2011, she discovered whole foods plant-based. The last was where she found her community. In 2015, she trained as a Food for Life instructor with the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine to deliver nutrition and cooking classes. And after watching Plant Pure Nation in 2016, she was excited to join the pod movement. Welcome, Carolina. Thank you so much, Maya, for having me on and reading this lovely um, introduction. I'm so honored to be on the POT Advisory Committee. And we are honored to have you. You know, I've had some interactions with you. I just really think you're an awesome person. You've been on my podcast before. And so the fact that you have been able to join the POT Advisory Committee, I think it's so great. And we're going to share your story for our listeners. So it could be that we have people that are actually POD leaders or belong to a POD or people that are POD curious. So we're going to learn a little bit more about your story. So tell us briefly, what is the subcommittee that you're part of for PAC? I'm part of the growth subcommittee. So we are looking at how we can get the word about the pod network out into the wide world. And it's a really exciting undertaking because it gave so much to me. I really think that anyone, there's definitely anyone who's interested in whole food plant-based should have access to it because it's such a main support in my life. Yeah. And when I'm in subcommittees, we're talking about different ways that PAC members are working to, like you said, spread the word and also on our end to support pod leaders. But it is very important, like you said, that we help spread the word to whether it be physicians or regular individuals, just helping them to understand that 
this is life changing. This way of life is incredible. And then once we adopt this way of living, it's just like we have a new mission, a new purpose for life. So for anyone who may not have heard your story, and I am going to include a link to the interview when you came on, I want to say it was actually 2020. So you came on and then you did a little food demo. So that's right. I had just started to do video online food demos. That's right. <laughs> and I was so proud showing off how I had a setup. I thought your uh, setup was pretty cool because you were working two cameras and that's pretty tricky. I've tried it myself when I've gone live doing food demos and it's really hard doing it on your own. It is. And I have tried recordings and nobody helping behind, right? And I wanted to use the good camera. So I didn't use the forward facing. I used the backward facing one and boy, my head was cut off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that you're in a very different place today. So that was 2020 when we all had to pivot and we were finding ways to support our community online. So that's part of what we're working on for the event subcommittee. Okay, Carolina, let's start off by learning a little bit about you. Now in your bio, I did read that when you were younger, fruits and vegetables were introduced to you because I do sort of know your story. And like I said, I'll link the first interview to the show notes. Let's start off by talking a little bit about your own story and how you have battled with food. This topic is so important to me because I do come from a background of having had disordered eating. And while I didn't fluctuate so much with my weight, I became very obsessed with food. So can we start at that point? Well, people can probably hear that I'm not American. I grew up in Germany and uh, I was one of those rare kids who struggled with food. Most kids around me did not. Actually, in my family, I'm the number four of four. And one of my sisters, she had like stomach issues and, you know, or my parents thought she had to be encouraged to eat. And so with me, they tried to encourage me to eat less. So that's split that parents try to do with different kids. And I really got food obsessed at very, very young age. Like I might've been four years old when I remember like checking nobody's there, climbing up on the kitchen counter to get to the old oats and the sugar and the milk out of the fridge. I was old enough to open that old fashioned fridge where the door handle was still locking. <laughs> Yeah, this is really intense memories, even though I was so very young. And I think it's, for me, it's part of because I had surgery when I was three years old and something shifted. And I just wonder if like my gut's microbiome shifted or something happened. I had a lot of antibiotics at the time. So something just didn't support me in just being a healthy kid that, you know, eats when food is around and then stops thinking about it. So did your mother's reaction to it all contribute to it as well? So while she's encouraging one child to eat more, she's encouraging the other one to kind of restrict, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, you know, back then there wasn't much knowledge around that and that much wisdom. And it got really worse when uh, I think it might have been third grade. There was an official government doctor coming to the school, checking on the health of the children. And boy, did my mom get the lecture about her daughter being overweight. It was so bad. It really made a huge impression on my mother. So we went back to our regular family doctor and she talked about it. It was like, let's put her on a diet or do something. And the doctor said, 
hold on, just, you know, calm down. Just let it be. She might just go out of it. And I think she would have been right. But now we had to do something. And I went for four weeks on Atkins diet. And yes, I lost the weight. And after we stopped, the weight came back and the same again. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That was fun. <laughs> so, and that was the beginning to really stoke the flames of food obsession. And uh, then older brothers, they were on quest for health. We had a lot of cold and flu and allergies. And my oldest brother had such a bad, I think it must have been like a staph infection just before the exams for the baccalaureate, the German high school exams, which is a big deal that really determines your grade, that antibiotics didn't work anymore. That was a little scary. Um that same family doctor, she also was an acupuncturist. She had actually gone to China to study. She was a really rare individual and she helped with acupuncture. And then the quest continued. Finally, we found someone who was really in Germany. It was known as the Schnitzer diet. So he believed in raw food. He took it to not just raw vegetable and fruit, so we ate a lot of the raw vegetable salads, shredded root vegetables and all kinds of vegetables mixed together, but also to eat raw whole grain. So not eating rolled oats, which are steamed, but get a little mill, something that can shred the grains and shred it and soak it overnight and eat it raw with raw vegetables and back then some yogurt and whole grain bread. This was in the eighties. There was not that much whole grain bread around. And when my family does something, they do it. So we went out to buy a mill. Electric mills were really, really expensive. And my oldest brother was a physics student. So we bought one of the larger, well, probably like this, hand mills. And I actually had the joy of grinding some of the flour for bread by hand, which took about an hour. <laughs> and then he got from someone motors and built this humongous over-engineered electric mill. And then you would have the flour for your bread in about five minutes. And we made bread till somehow the local bakery started making whole grain breads. And back then, these days when you look on a package and it says on the front whole grain, it's actually most likely that the grain is still treated and they use the starch part and then they add the outside layer and they're all engineered together. No, this was just the grain put into a mill and flour comes out and that's what you bake with. And so that was so important to me that when I came to the States, I came with a mill. Yes. <laughs> a little tiny one. And then later I bought a bigger one. <laughs> <laughs> that's an important skill to have, though, knowing how to make bread. That's very important, especially when, you know, we have limitations like doing groceries or like what we were facing in 2020. Yeah. Were you making it? <laughs> no, actually, lately we haven't made much bread. Yeah, all of this, you know, it really like to my teenage years, it really helped. It sort of calmed the dragon and I was in pretty good shape. 
And then a single stay in France, three weeks vacation with a pen pal in France. And they really want to show me French cuisine. And there was a, like every weekend we went out to wine and dine. I mean, a 16 year old wine was included. It's Europe. It stoked that dragon in me again. And when I came home, I was on route to study, to go to the music conservatory to study piano. And I didn't go to school, so I had lost outside contact. And all I had, this pressure to get good enough to pass the audition and be at home, practice, and all was in my head was hunger and where the chocolate is and where the food is. And I had some joint issues. It was terrible. <laughs> it's just can't say it any different. And I didn't pass the audition. I didn't become the musician I wanted to be. That then stoked depression on top. So there I was. So you initially went to France because of your love for music and the is that what it was? And then it was just a pen pal. Actually, it was just to learn more French. I was getting quite good in French. Okay. And it was a great time. I loved being there. Lived in a suburb in Paris. We went into Paris. Mm-hmm. There were an older brother and cousins. It was a great time. Mm, I bet. So now I feel like a lot of listeners, especially the female listeners, could probably identify with that struggle that you've had most of your life, where there's the diet that comes in after you've been shamed by somebody in the family. So there's the diet. And then it sounds like you hit a really nice spot at one point when you were doing mainly raw foods and you were making your own bread. And then the traveling exposing you to food. Many of us love food. I still consider myself a foodie, but now it's just a different type of food that I eat. So tell us more how you, um, you know, what else happened? Because it sounds like right now you probably may have healed your relationship with food. Is that so? Not completely, actually. I still struggle because I would like interesting food to be in the house for my husband. I mean, all whole food plant-based, but still more interesting. So there are some dried food and some nuts in the house. And the whole COVID time, as much as I managed with keep things going, keep cooking glasses going, something shifted. And um, right now I'm actually have to work on it a bit more again. It's interesting that something like this might never completely go away. And all I can do is to support myself with love and kindness around this. And uh, I was talking with a friend about it. It's like, maybe it was actually good that I have to deal with it again, because it also makes me think about it in different terms. Again, I now had conversations and I listened to Dr. Yami, Casola Lancaster and other people who talk about this. And it gives me I had a little bit of superiority before it. Here, do this and problem gone, poof. And now it might not be that straightforward a line, even if you surround yourself with wonderful food made from vegetable fruit, whole grain and legumes. So I want to add to what you're saying in terms of like, maybe you're still back at struggling with some of the things that you have in your home. It kind of is a testament, though, to how important it is to have a support group 
And so both of us, you and I had pods before the pandemic, and it's easier when I don't want to say our own group holds us accountable, but in a way they do because we have to be role models. So let me back that up by saying or rewind a little bit. When I started 2020, that January, I want to say that year, I took my mom to DC for one of their immersion programs, the PCRM's immersion program. And it was just a two-day weekend, a two-day immersion program. And it was great. I participated in it as well. I had my labs drawn. Everything looked great. And I was thinking to myself at the time, well, of course, I'm a whole food plant-based. Of course, everything's fine. Now, as we've gone through this pandemic and have been limited, not only in the restaurants we could go to, but the social events and connecting with people, I slowly started to have a little bit more of the vegan processed foods. And because we track our numbers, my husband and I have these testing kits because we were supposed to use them for another event that got canceled. So we have the testing kit. So I started to check on my cholesterol. And Carolina, I noticed that my number my cholesterol started going up again. Like I was fine early 2020. Suddenly my cholesterol goes up and part of me is disappointed in myself. Kind of like what you were saying, you know, it's so hard not to judge ourselves when we gravitate towards a certain lifestyle. And so I got serious about it again and I put my foot down and I said, that's it. I know that I love whole foods. I know that I embrace this way of life. I know that I know how to cook. So let's cut out all the stuff that's affecting my cholesterol, despite the fact that I'm still vegan. As you know, there are things like coconut milk and you mentioned nuts. So the cashew nuts can probably contribute to cholesterol levels. And actually, because you are a food for life instructor, you can probably educate us more on what actually drives cholesterol up. But just to summarize my story on my experiences that I got my numbers down again with the lifestyle, with the whole food plant-based way of living. And I got rid of all the processed foods. And yes, I really believe I really believe that part of it is that we find comfort in food. And when we're not able to come together like we used to with potlucks and social events, well, then we just kind of do what we do at home. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are many different things that can throw us just slightly off. And one thing is as much as the community can hold us, I also want to put out that if you're still off Kelter, it's to go to the community even more and not say, oh, I'm not in good enough shape. I really, this episode here really brings the whole shame piece around it back into my mind and awareness that if someone comes and still struggles to really be just accepting, they're the person they are. And we want everybody, wherever they are on that journey to come, and be welcomed in the community. That's a great. And that there is not judgment about what we're struggling with. There's only support. And the support is what the person wants to that level, right? Absolutely. I think that, you know, I've been plant-based for six years, 
But when I first joined the groups, the Facebook groups, I remember my husband also joining groups and he would say, oh, look at this comment of so-and-so being criticized because they still use oil in their food or whatever it may be. Or I remember once showing off a potato and I have removed the skin and someone else made a very gentle comment like, oh, I love it too, but I even love the skin even more. And so there are ways that you can encourage people with, but yes. Having a judgment-free support group, I think, is so important. And Carolina, you brought up shame again. That is such an important topic that, especially right now, having gone through an intensive life, all of us have gone through, experienced all sorts of losses. So yes, of course, we're going to gravitate towards comfort foods, but to be shamed for it rather than encouraged doesn't really work when you shame people. It just doesn't. And being gentle with oneself. So let's move forward. I don't know if we covered how you actually discovered the plant-based lifestyle. I had a long journey. So when I came here to the U.S., so back home, I was really not that much interested in eating meat. Like I always said, like my family said, oh, let's, you know, have something for Sunday. I grew up with, we had meat Sunday and Wednesdays or something like that. So I didn't grow up meat heavy, but there was other meat products around all the time. You know, it's Germany, so we're talking sausage and cheese and you know, all kinds of animal products around every day. So when I came here, I suddenly was in a situation where I'm studying and people are going out all the time. So I started going out and I suddenly ate a lot more meat than I ever had in my life before. And Then in 1999, I did a permaculture course. And for the first time, I met vegetarians. I had never met a vegetarian before. And it took me a little bit and it took, a, you know, being with the people and going for a bike ride with someone and that person not eating my food because there was meat in it till I really stopped and thought, huh, that's actually what I always wanted to be. So I was a vegetarian and then I had really close friends. They were vegan. They were actually at home. They were whole food plant-based. They had found the McDougal program and followed that because one of the friends had uh, acid reflux. But when we went out, of course it was restaurant vegan food. And when they said something about cooking without oil, I was like, How do I saute onions without oil? It's like so stereotypical. <laughs> And I think they weren't the greatest cooks, so they couldn't tell me. So there I was eventually becoming a vegan. Now my weight got lower and then it came back because I found all the vegan ice creams or all the rich foods. I have like the four noses or five noses for the rich food. <laughs> so... I really struggled. I, by then, I was getting much more into the spirit of being vegan, not just plant-based. So I didn't want to let go of it, even if people made all kinds of suggestions how I could help myself with food by getting off the vegan diet. And then one day, my supervisor, who I'm really friends with in reality, he had triple bypass surgery. And that made me check out the McDougal webpage again. I had checked a few years ago and I hadn't understood it and I hadn't gotten it. But I think 
they also changed the web page in between and something in my mind changed and I suddenly understood and I got it and I gobbled up everything I could get my hands on. The McDougals back then, they put on twice a year an advanced study weekend where it was a two and a half day event with different speakers. So I got to expose to all these different speakers and I was buying books and reading and annoying my friends. <laughs> And losing that glue that food is for community, right? That didn't work anymore. So after, but I was very lucky that someone new came into my life who became briefly my boyfriend and now is my husband. He fully supported me in this and he made the change himself. He noticed how wonderful he feels. We got married. Then... When I started to talk about becoming a food for life instructor, he said, yes, go for it. So in 2015, I trained to be a food for life instructor and have been teaching classes since then. And then in 2016, Plant Pure Nation came out. Did it come out actually 2016 or 2015? Anyway, in 2016, I found it. It came out in 2015 and I missed the showing here in Houston for some reason. It was someone else who started Bayou City Beat as the first pod in Houston and came up with this name, Leia Stoller. Thank you. And um, in May of 2016, I joined the pod and I was teaching a cooking class. And at that, the Kickstart Your Health series at the end is a potluck, but I only had two people in class. So I invited the whole part to join us because I knew that would get variety and my two students would actually see the full beauty of eating this way. And then shortly after, Leah said, okay, you're a great part leader. There you are. That's how I became part leader. And then more parts joined and we started to do events together and now we really start growing together. The ones, the pot leaders that are active in the Houston area, we are looking forward to starting a jumpstart for a group and, you know, really thinking about ways to bring it out to other communities who haven't had the benefit yet of knowing about this. Mm -hmm. And we work together with Peaceful Planet Foundation, which is an organization by Doctors Munish and Bernina Chola here in Houston. So there is a lot of synergy going on, a lot of supporting each other, which I really love. And so, for example, the potlucks I do, the lifestyle clinic of Doctors Munish and Bernina Chola. As a matter of fact, I want to add that that was one of the things that intrigued me about Houston when I learned that all of you pod leaders come together and support one another. And now you're under the umbrella of Plan Pure Houston. So you're a bigger force. And I don't know what year it was, if it was 2019 or the year before, but I found myself driving to Houston. This is before I had a dog because now I could never do this. But I found myself driving to Houston three, four, I don't know how many times. And it was to either attend like the Rice University Veg Fest that was put together. And that might have been the one where I saw different representations of pod leaders. And then at the time I did know doctors Munish and Bandana Chawla. And so just seeing that collaboration coming together under 
like the Peaceful Planet Foundation, but just in general, was really intriguing for me. And I remember I would drive and do a visit. Like there was also at the Minute Maid Park, there was a Veg Fest there too. And so I remember coming back and telling my husband, like, I want that in Dallas. Like, I want to create that sense of community. We were already pod leaders, but we don't really have that connection. It just seems, especially because of the pandemic, that a lot of pod leaders have lost interest or just have been limited because of our current circumstances. So you now go under Plan Pure Houston. Tell us now about how you're collaborating or you're doing a lot more in-person events now with doctors at the actual clinic, the Lifestyle Docs Clinic. Tell us more about that and what has it been like for you resuming that activity, the events? Yeah, we had just started that in the end of 2019 and we started to have monthly potlucks there when COVID hit and I decided right away that we would keep it going with most of the time, like once a month, an online meeting. And I think for some people that was important, for other people that didn't fill the gap. Then we had, end of last year, we had, I think, one or two meetings. Then Omicron came, we shut it down again. But now we had two meetings and people are coming back and it's really joyful to see people come together. They bring the food it's sharing food. It's many, many conversations, just different people coming together. I invited one of my students from work. He is a, a mechanical engineering student who changed his diet to whole food plant-based because I talked to him about it. And he was talking to someone else. Actually, he was talking to Shara Agiri, who wrote the book. I'm blanking on the title, Healthy Vibe. Do you remember? Joyful, healthy, vegan. Joyful is in there. That's the important <laughs> word. Delicious, joyful, vegan. I'm blanking so badly right now. That's okay. But just I think people come together and then um, it was sort of a surprise. The um, Shara had invited the founder of Urban Harvest, Houston, which is an organization to promote food production in urban gardens in the Houston area. So Dr. Bob Randall and his wife, Nancy Edwards, came and she was a, a Peace Corps volunteer in her younger days. And seeing her talk with my student who's from Rwanda, it's just, it's just wonderful to see these coming together. Now that, you know, you mentioned Urban Harvest, and I'm thinking of, well, I'm thinking about other doctors that support this plant-based way of living in the Houston area that we still don't have in Dallas. But for example, I want our listeners to know that Garth Davis, Dr. Garth Davis was in Houston at one time. And He's now back in Houston. No, really? What? Yes, back in Houston. Oh my God. And are you guys going to work together, or have him speak at I'm events? Thinking of, I was thinking of what we can offer him, right? Yeah. It's that whole thing. What can we offer him? Uh, yeah. So I would see to reach out to him. In the past, he has been very easygoing. When there were documentary screenings, he would come be on panels and talk, you know, just talk to people. So we'll now, see what's Dr. coming in the future. Dr. Davis is a bariatric surgeon, is that right? That is correct. But he wrote the book, Proteinaholic, which is 
for anyone worried about protein, it's an important book. And he's quite active on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can follow him and see, you know, he talks about it all the time. He just recently had a post talking about how his patients are so worried about carbohydrates and starches. I mean, they, the thought is so scary to eat those. Mm. And so his book, Proteinaholic, was one of the first books that I read, probably right after reading Dr. Esselstyn's book. So I'm a big fan of Dr. Garth Davis. And then you also have in the Houston area, Dr. Baxter Montgomery, who also has a practice. He has a practice and he has a restaurant, a kitchen. I think it's called Garden Kitchen. It's a wonderful place where people can pick up food. He has a lot of fresh raw food, which is really important for people to jump something, either struggle with heart disease or with diabetes. So it's a great resource. Now he is so busy. He is just busy running, 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 running. I bet. Looking after his patients and running his business and speaking. I mean, he is a national, international speaker. Well, Houston in general, the plant-based movement in Houston is incredible. And it's been a real inspiration for me to see everything that all of you are doing. I remember at that Minute Maid Veg Fest, there was also a panel discussion. And so you had, that's when I learned about Dr. Roxanne George, um, who's a pediatrician, and probably Dr. Munish also might have given or been part of the... Yeah, he was. He was. Mm -hmm. And now you... I've seen you when you guys had an event for Tangerines something. I don't remember the name of it. Tangerine Hills, yes. we named it, yeah. So that I have... A, that was in 2019, spring of 2019. Yes. I have a sister who lives just north of Houston. And so I managed to convince her to join us. And I want to say that that's where I saw you for the first time, perhaps, doing one of your Food for Life demos. Is that right? I think so. I think you did that. And then I went for my first time that I went, because I think 2020, the Peaceful Planets Foundation's annual retreat was canceled, I think, 2020. It was fall of 2019 when you came for the Peaceful Planet Foundation retreat in October. And I did another cooking demo. Yeah. yeah. And I managed to bring some people from Dallas. And at the time, my sister came again. Oh, my goodness. And I'm saying this because I want our audience, our listeners to hear what all of these events do for people. But I was able to bring my sister and she was impressed. It was a whole day event, which I think hopefully you guys will resume again. And I saw you doing a food demo there and, you know, just calm and witty you're witty and you have a good sense of humor, which makes it a lot of fun to watch you do some of your presentations. Thank you so much. And yeah. so Peaceful Planet Foundation does another event on May 21st. We really start to be active in the third ward in Houston, which is a historically African-American neighborhood. They do like a half day retreat. And so it starts in the garden in the morning and then some mindfulness and presentation about food. And it ends with a cooking demo by Lucy from Lucy Ethiopian Restaurant and then lunch. It's going to be very, very good. And I'm going to miss it because I'm in Germany. That's right. I remember you saying on social media or in your newsletter that you would be traveling. So by the way, what an awesome idea that you're outreaching to a community that could really use this information. Yeah, we just want to offer it and whoever 
wants to come to us and work with us and help become ambassadors for it in their community, make it their own. That's really what we want. We want to offer resources, be supportive and give people the space to run with it and shape it to where they need it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Another event that I attended that was put together by Drs. Chawla, and I believe you were there as well, was the screening of the documentary Code Blue by Dr. Sarai Stancic. And so I drove down again to Houston. I made a whole deal, you know, and I asked my sister to attend and she invited some co-workers who also saw the documentary. And the reason that I'm mentioning all of these events is that as a pod leader who collaborates with other experts in the field, you are really helping to create all sorts of ways that you can outreach to people. Some people might be moved and convinced by tasting foods because of the potluck. Some people may need that documentary. Some people may need a veg fest to attend, to then sample things, to hear lectures, to hear panel discussions. And so you're part of all of that of all that is happening in the Houston area. So you guys... Me and many other people. So it really helps to have a community of organizers where everybody chips in. Absolutely. And collaborating is one thing that really stands out for me. So as we're having some of our pod leaders listening to this conversation, what words of encouragement would you give them right now as we're sort of coming out of the pandemic and some of us are interested in resuming our events? What would you tell us? How would you encourage us? We talked about what's going on in Houston and we could talk about New York and New York City area and be even more amazed, right? These are metropolitan areas where if you get me on a bad day, I would say, oh my God, the situation here is so bad. It's like, you know, there are 5 million or I don't know how many million people in Houston. And if we look, I have 150 people on my mailing list. It's like a drop in the market. So I want people to not be discouraged when they live somewhere and say, there's nobody around me. And I would invite people to start small, to start a part, look around if there's something in your area. If there's not, start a part and just invite your friends for dinner and put it out there. Someone can find you. That's great. Then they can join. So you're not going to sit there with one person and commiserate <laughs> or sit, sit alone. <laughs> you're right. You can start in your own home. Yes. We have done that. Yes. And there's still pots here planted in, uh, in Fort Bend. They still dominantly do these home dinners or potlucks, small groups. Get one person, get two people to come. It's a start. It's a community. You're not alone anymore. Yes. And if you really can't find someone, then join something online so you're not feeling alone. Join a specific group so you get to interact with people and it's going to be more personal than just sitting on YouTube and listening where it feels great, but then in reality, you're still alone. Right. Also, just like any other support group, there's this wonderful thing about coming together with people that agree with your way of eating 
And if it's about ethics, it's wonderful to come together with people who care about the animals or also care about the planet. And you have that in common. So it's not just that you're coming together to eat together, but you're building friendships. You're building this sense of, you know, healthy relationships, whatever that means to you. But it's uh, most of us are the only ones that are plant-based in our own families. So like myself, my mother is coming on board, but I have a lot of family members that are not interested. So this is why we need to create kind of like another family of people that support us. And also like I invite people to potlucks who are not 100% plant-based. We call it plant forward or plant curious. And it's getting people through the door and tasting the food. And also once you get a larger community and you have more bandwidth to invite people who are not like totally supportive for you and vice versa, right? You invite people who really just, like I said, maybe plant curious. They might say, oh my God, I didn't realize that not just you could cook good food, but there are so many people who can cook delicious food or prepare delicious food this way just to show that it doesn't take extraordinary skill to make good food. Mm -hmm. Very true. I like the idea that you said that you don't have to be fully on board, just interested, I guess, because the whole goal is just to teach you how to bring more plants into your life. Because, you know, most of the foods that the average person eats, I mean, most of the food is processed, so it's void of nutrients. So when you eat more plants, more salads, more fruits, more vegetables, you're eating foods that can help improve your health. So no shame in you not being fully plant-based. I mean, after all, we don't always want to preach to the choir, right, Carolina? (laughs) Right. Outreach to new people. So you've said you've given us tips on whether we're interested in becoming a pod leader. Also, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to learn about you or something I could have asked you and forgot? I want to finally get the correct title for Cheryl's book out. It's Delicious Joyful Vegan. Ah, yes. I have heard of that book. (laughs) (laughs) It just bothered me that I couldn't That's right. So now you say you only have 150 people on your newsletter, but I actually thought you would have more because you put a lot of effort into the newsletter. So if anyone, any of our listeners are interested in signing up for your newsletter, do you have a link for that? I do. And... I can always put it in the show notes if you don't have it. Put it in the show notes because I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. I think I made or I can make a bit.ly link so it's easier to find. Yes, that's what I've done now. So I'll put your link in the show notes, but I wanted our listeners to know that your newsletter, like I said, you put a lot of effort into it and you include everything that's happening in your area, but you also have, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've interviewed other people online, kind of like Zoom interviews. During the COVID times, I started to invite guests to make our monthly meetings more interesting. Yeah. And I would like to keep something like this up in addition to the potlucks because it's a different dimension. Right. Exactly. Getting people the option to have an interaction with the speaker. So we invited different people. The last one we had on was Dr. Yami Lancaster-Casola. And 
it's just nice to have that personal interaction. And also I can dig around, you know, in the wider Houston area, get people on who might not be able to travel. So I will think about it. And it's also then something I can offer people who are not in the Houston area, who are looking for a home to have some connection. Yes, absolutely. Also, I'm subscribed to a lot of newsletters from people all over the world, specifically here in the States as well, because you never know who knows who in what state. And so like, for example, I subscribe to a lot of things in Phoenix, even though I live here, because I always want to continue to offer resources to my family members who are mainly in the Arizona area. So if I know that there's something going on in that area, I let them know, which is why I think it's important to sign up for newsletters if you're interested in this way of living. And then you also include recipes from time to time. You recommend documentaries and books to read. So you offer a lot of resources. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm glad that someone looks like <laughs> You never know the newsletter. <laughs> you never know. That is true. So, Carolina, I know that you'll be going to Germany. So, congratulations on that. Is this your first time since the pandemic that you've been able to? No, I went last fall. It was really time for me to see my dad. Yeah. It's going to be his 95th birthday yes. in May. So, yeah, every day is now becoming precious. And I'm excited that I get to go so soon I again. Know. Well, I think it's wonderful. And you mentioned that in your newsletter that, you know, how important this is for you to spend time with your family. And yeah, there's probably no reminder email (laughs) because it's going to be a very turbulent, fully packed vacation this time. That's right. As far as your pod, do you have anything going on that you can share with us for the rest of the year? Anything happening in 2022? We haven't, besides together with the other pod leaders thinking about immersions and how we can work this. We haven't planned anything as far as I know, but maybe my mind is just going flying. No, I mean, I think most of us are still holding off a little bit. It's like, can we come out? Is it safe? You know? Well, we definitely potlucks. There will be a potluck till hopefully we don't have to call it off again every month from now on. I actually, I personally hold the hope that in the Houston area, we will have two potlucks, one on Sunday, one on Saturdays in slightly different areas. And so my grand vision is for these pot networks to have pots in so many places, to have pots in all kinds of communities, churches and schools and gyms and wherever you have people come together to have these micro support groups or hopefully medium-sized support groups all over and then network them. Yes. But so it, Houston is so huge. It's so much time to travel, right? I go to an event at Susan and Kent Marsh and Jenna and Louis Dana's part. It takes me half an hour, 40 minutes to get there. (laughs) Right. I know. I know that area. Believe me. (laughs) You have to plan your whole life around that traffic. (laughs) I'm willing to do it because it's so important to me. But for someone who is just curious or has limitations in some ways, 
it's a huge barrier. So we need to have more geo geographic distribution. Yes. I really think so. We really need to get more leaders, yes, on board. So Carolina, you were a leader before the pandemic and you really try to offer support during the pandemic. You pivoted like many people. Now, as you say, you're hoping to resume things. You're slightly doing more food demos. This whole experience of being a food leader, a food leader, <laughs> although it is a food leader, but a vino pod leader. The, food, the whole food plant-based cheerleader. That's yes. right. Has it, can, despite the limitations, has being a pod leader for plant pure communities, has it continued to be gratifying for you? Oh, absolutely. I could not do it otherwise if it wasn't so gratifying. Yeah, it's really given us a sense of purpose. So what is the best way for people to reach you if they want to either, we will put a link for the newsletter, but if they want to learn more about you, do you have a website? What's your social media? I don't have a website yet. I'm on Instagram as Kalina's Plant Kitchen. And I have sort of mostly stepped away from Facebook I do have that addictive nature in me. So all these social media really tricky. You're welcome to join the newsletter and keep up that way. Mm -hmm. And if you have questions, if you want to have a conversation, you can always reach me by email or telephone. Yeah, I'm happy as much as I have time to have conversations with people. Yes. And I really do think your newsletter is the best way to connect because I feel that when you, like you're speaking to us directly, like you're keeping us informed, which is what people use social media for. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Carolina, it's been such a pleasure, my friend. I hold you here very dear to my heart. I really admire you and I respect so much of what you do. You've been a role model. And like I said, my sister has been to these events because I attend them. And so you and the entire group in Houston that is involved with this whole food plant-based lifestyle are doing wonderful things. And thank you so much. I want everyone to know that it's happening in the Houston area. So thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.